You're listening to DraftKings Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thank you. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Oh, it's not working. I'm looking. You are A-OK. There, <laughs> oh, there it is. Welcome to Oddball. I'm Amino Hassan, and in the laser show is Charlotte Wilder. Yeah, Charlotte? I felt like recreating my fourth grade school picture. I mean, so this was as good as I could do. I feel like you're in the middle of a firefight in Star Wars, and I'm just like, get down, like just <laughs> avoid. Or, or, yeah. or, hear me out. Ocean's Eleven when they sneak through the lasers. What was the movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones and Sean Connery? That's the one that everyone remembers. Oh. She's what was like, that? It was like untouchable or something like uncrustable, something like that. <laughs> Anyways, got a great show for you guys today. A little bit later, we're going to dive into rivalry week. This is a new thing the NBA has been doing the last couple of years. We got some rivalry games to preview all week long. We'll talk about rivalry week and whether we're in on it. But let's get started with some stuff that happened over the weekend. Not quite headlines, but a little Fresh, fresher, refresher. Pick yeah, me up. headline headline adjacent is what there we're calling this. So we'll start with the Nuggets and the Celtics. The Nuggets broke the Celtics' little win streak that they had going at home. They started mm. the season 20-0. and 0, And, you know, Jokic and them boys came in there and said, ah, you know what, you little streak? Ah, this is what I think of it. And they threw it at them. Charlotte, yes. as a lifelong Celtics fan, yes. how long did you sob and what made you stop sobbing? <laughs> I cried. I I say I like sobbed for three minutes and then really cried hard for 10. And then I stopped crying when I remember. No, I didn't cry. I mean, yeah. I didn't no. cry. Come on. I'm a big yeah. girl. I'm a strong, <laughs> independent woman. Uh, I did watch at a bar in New York City with a few friends, which we, I also like shout out to me for going somewhere. I did something. Yeah, you left it, your your little cave. Yeah, it felt good. I was like, oh, look, there are all these people around. I had a Guinness. Anyway, um, <laughs> but uh, my one of my friends who we were watching with is also from Boston and was just saying how much he hates Joe Missoula as a Boston nice. fan. Well, and so here's the thing. The, the Celtics are at the top of the whole NBA. Um, it's a bangy bang, yes. The, yeah, they're, they're doing it. I want to ask you... Mm -hmm. what you think about Joe Missoula and 
what should Celtics fans actually feel about how he's coaching this team? I mean, I think here's here's there's two things. One is Joe Missoula is a young coach. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean by his age. I mean, even by experience prior to being the head coach at Celtics, obviously he'd been assistant for, I believe, a couple of years. And before that, he was the head coach of Fairmont State College, which is where my cousin Proof went to college for like 20 minutes back hey, in the late out. 90s, early 2000s. <laughs> shout out to Cousin Proof. So, like, he's not, he doesn't have like the wealth of like 10 years as an assistant coach in the league to have mm-hmm. seen a lot of things and processed a lot of things. And this kind of ties into my next point is basically, he's not like his predecessor. His predecessor, Ime Yudoka, not only played in the league for a long time, but also was an assistant coach for damn near a decade and an assistant yeah. coach on some really good staffs with some really good head coaches, including Greg Popovich. So Ime mm-hmm. Yudoka, by default, has seen some shit. And so when he stepped into the head coaching role, you're looking at decades of high-level NBA experience, both as a player and as a coach on the bench, that he is now processing and he's an incredible coach. And we see with the job he's done in Houston. Yeah. That yeah, that wasn't a fluke. It wasn't just because he had good players in Boston. This guy can really coach. Whereas right. for Joe, I think he is a good coach in the making. I just think he's green. And that shows up the most in adjustments or lack thereof. He's not really yeah. great at adjustments because in order to do adjustments really well, you have to have seen 8 billion variations of almost every offense or every mm-hmm. defense, to have that kind of wherewithal. Also, being a head coach of a team is in part a managerial position, right? Yeah. Not just managing the egos of your players, which can sort itself out very easily. My best players, I listen to them. My worst players, eh, not so much, right? Yeah. But the, the egos of your staff, who are you listening to? How are you, like, accepting information that clearly is not your own it takes a level of security in yourself to be able to say i didn't know that but shout out to coach so-and-so he brought this up right and i don't know what his relationship is with his staff i do know again that managing at least four guys and obviously there are a lot more on the staff but the four main assistant coaches that takes time as well and so yeah what I see from Joe Mazzulla is a guy who has a pretty good idea of an overall game plan, but if it doesn't work, he's screwed. And I think that's the thing that fans and other people notice. It's like, oh, why are we adjusting? They're just doing this stuff to us over and over again. It's like, well, your boy doesn't have a whole lot of experience. You're trying to yeah. compare him to Eric Spolstra, who coached for decades and and was in the video room forever you know, like the amount of basketball that guy has watched is just yeah insane you know or like i said Ime Udoka, you're trying to compare him to him or tom thibodeau these are all the people that i think will come to mind when you're talking about joe mazula they're not his peers in terms of their path or their experience these are all guys who've been around the block a lot of times i mean it makes me wonder, I guess, on some level, why he was picked to succeed Ime in the first place and why he is still, yeah, you know? I, I would say, this is what I would say, because Brad Stevens made that call. Yes. Brad Stevens, despite having a very successful NBA career, I've observed, and this is not about Brad specifically, but I've observed in the NBA, there's a type of guy that they call, he's a college guy. 
Mm. College guys think about the game in a certain way and think about people in a certain way, and they tend to gravitate to other college guys. Joe is a college guy. Joe's a college guy. Joe will probably be a a very successful collegiate head coach because adjustments aren't as big a deal. It's more about prep because you have all Mm. this time uh, to practice when you have a college team and nobody's good enough to make adjustments anyway, right? Or very few, very seldom. So it's one of those things. I think Brad Stevens saw something in a guy who kind of reminded him of him in -hmm. some way. Oh, it started at a small school, whatever. And that's what what, uh, attracted him. Well, if the Celtics don't win the finals, I'm sure Joe Mazzulla will have plenty of time to see what Ouch. coaching in college is like. Oh, Charlotte uh, Wilder. Fire anyway. Mazzulla. No, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I, I, I believe with this roster, with this team, if you don't win the finals, I don't know how that coach comes back. So let me transition here, Charlotte. You asked me a question. I gave a very long and thoughtful answer. I want to ask you a question about something okay. else. Because this has been eating me, right? Okay. The Knicks and the Raptors played this weekend. And Mm -hmm. this is Raptors at Knicks. So you got all the guys from the trade coming back. You got Emmanuel Quickly. You got RJ Barrett. And they're playing at Madison Square Garden for the first time in a different jersey. And they got a very nice ending ovation. And they got a, 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 a tribute video on the big board. And very nice words from Tibbs and, and Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle. All that's well and good. Yeah. Did they deserve to have that? Not not from the guys internally. Obviously, the yes. guys you play with them for so many years become close, and all of a sudden you traded. That 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 is a a thing that people go through. I meant like the hoopla of the jumbotron and the fans and everyone happy to see these guys back. Did they so- deserve that. I was surprised. I was surprised, to be honest, when I saw the amount of hoopla they were given. Because before, um, I was talking to someone, and I was like, "I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it's like that big of a deal." Like, sure, I'm, I'm sure some stuff's going on, but I, it's like, it's RJ. It's quickly. Sure, they were there. But I don't even think Knicks fans were truly sold on RJ. I think quickly had a moment with fans where they were like, oh, cool, he's in the running for sixth man. And then mm-hmm. he wasn't sixth man. And then a lot of them were sort of rattled when it was like, oh, he, but we need someone good off the bench. But then they've all fallen in love with OG and Anobi so quickly. And I, I don't think, I feel like it was the Knicks trying to prove to themselves. I feel it was the organization trying to prove to themselves that they had not made a mistake in their trust in RJ and in bringing him up in that city. I feel like they wanted him, they wanted to be like, look, here's this guy who came back and we did such a good job with him that he's now on to greener pastures and we're going to celebrate him so that we look like we knew what we were doing. Yeah, I just, uh, two weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, all these Nick fans were saying RJ Barrett is awful and, and get yeah. him and bench him and stuff. And now it's like a standing ovation and we miss you, RJ, and a and a, and a video board tribute. I'm like, what is this about? Because even without like the struggles that he had, I go back to what did they do? This isn't a guy who presided over an incredible streak of 50 win seasons and going to the conference finals and knocking on the door. This is a team that wasn't really good. They made the playoffs and lost in the first round to the Hawks. They won one mm-hmm. game one year. And then last year was their big playoff win. They beat the Cavs in the first round. And then they 
failed to recognize that Jimmy Butler had a terribly severely sprained ankle. <laughs> and let's just go at him. They just avoided it. Like, what did they do in order to 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 kind of merit that? And also, whatever mm-hmm. success it was, like when I think about like this last five years, basically since RJ was in New York, the most success was last year. And I don't think about RJ, and I don't think Emmanuel quickly. I think about Jalen freaking Brunson. He's the guy. Yeah. Like, if he left, he got traded, sure. Have a parade for him. He actually turned this shit around. But everybody else, I'm like, uh, you you get credit for that? That's that's why I mean, that's why I think that it was that it was in it was the organization trying to prove something to themselves or or trying to prove something to fans that like keeping him for as long as we did was not a mistake. You know, it's like, look, we, he he came back. Let's celebrate him because he was at, like trying to make people misremember it as being better than it was, which it wasn't. It just wasn't. Um, also from that game, Bruce Brown, who now plays for the Raptors because Pascal Siakam got traded from Toronto to Indiana. Bruce Brown was sent back. And because Toronto is basically circling the, the toilet now, <laughs> the big thing is that Bruce Brown could be on the move. And mm-hmm. one of the places linked to Bruce Brown, New York Knicks. And so the New York media, I love you guys because you, you, you leave nothing to subtlety or kind of like intonation. No. Like, hey, Bruce, you want to play here? And Literally. Bruce, yeah, just just straight up. Just ask him. Just ask him. Yeah. Like, like would wh- you like to be in New York, Bruce? Mr. Brown, can we ask you a question? Hey, man, you want to play here? And so Bruce Brown did not pussyfoot around it he he came he came correct he, he said did? i'm a dog i play extremely hard on both ends of the floor i can do just about whatever tibbs needs me to do <laughs> i would think i'm the type of player he likes i that look i get it he's on the block he knows that his long-term future is not in toronto having said that i don't can't count how many times i've heard players speak this directly have you ever heard something like this before i I might have like in in years past here i couldn't believe that i couldn't believe it i didn't i I read that quote and i was like to me i mean the best part of it is that he is appealing directly to what tom thibodeau wants more than anything else which is like hard notes gritty i'm a dog i'll do whatever he needs it wasn't like oh you know maybe new york could be fun it was a direct appeal to the coach so so typically, and this happens a lot in New York because the New York media has a habit of asking players, even players who aren't on the block, like Steph Curry, hey, would you like to play here? And they yeah. always give like this very like vague, oh, you know, this is one of the great buildings and it would be awesome. You know, I, I've thought about, but, you know, I'm happy where I am right now. That's what they usually do. They're like, oh, that would be awesome. Like, oh, this well, everyone knows it's a great basketball city. They go, Bruce like, yep, I want to play for that guy. And I play exactly the way that guy coaches. I've never, maybe I take that back. I don't think I remember that. Like never. someone being that direct about specifically <laughs> wanting to be somewhere else. I mean, um, he went from th- Indiana to Toronto. So I guess a big city seem or well, Toronto's a big city. Toronto's, uh, I don't mean no disrespect yeah. to Canada. No, Toronto's um, a huge city, but yeah, yeah. It ain't New York. Right. I, you know, I mean, I have always had a soft spot for Bruce Brown and I don't know why. I have absolutely no, there's he, not one thing he's done. No, I'm going to tell you why. I'm going to tell you why. Because he's a good, smart player who knows who he is and embraces it. And I believe when you have guys like that, it's automatic. You're going to like them, right? Mm -hmm. The people you're not going to like innately are people who have outsized or or not 
shape not fitting views of themselves versus who they yeah. actually are. They're going to be people who carry themselves with airs of like, I don't want to do that or I don't need to do that or I'm I'm better than that. And Bruce Brown doesn't do any of those things. And so it's very easy to like him. He's very likable as a result. But yeah, no. He is a dog. He is a dog. He's a dog. He's a dog. <laughs> He's got that dog in him. All right. Speaking of having that dog in him. Oh, yeah. The night finally arrived in Miami where they rose to the banners. Their first, I believe, non-Hall of Fame <laughs> jersey retiree, Udonis Haslam, number 40. No one will ever wear it again for the Heat organization. And they pulled out all the stops and they had Pat Riley give a very passionate speech and all the his teammates were there and Goran Dragic and Mario Chalmers. It was like, Udonis Haslam, this is your life. And then the Heat lost because maybe <laughs> someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I think they lose every time they have one of these things. I've been at least, I've been, I was at Bosch and I was at mm -hmm. Shaq. They mm -hmm. lost both of those. They lose whenever they're retiring jerseys, mainly because they always go over on the halftime, which is, oh. I know this is, this is going to make me persona non grata down in Miami, but you know who does jersey retirements well, Charlotte? Uh, are you going to say what I think you're going to say? Say it. Say it. Are you, the Celtics? The Celtics. Because <laughs> the Celtics always do it on a matinee game and they do it yep. after the game. Yeah, and, and so there's no pressure to wrap this shit up or like so they, they'll play the game and the entire game they just play videos tribute videos i went to paul pierce's jersey retirement mm. and the entire game they just kept showing paul this was paul in the 2002 conference finals this is paul in the 2008 finals this is paul in the 2010 conference finals. like all of these great moments from paul pierce's history and every time the video would end they'd have a shot of him and he's awesome just lit out of his mind sitting courtside <laughs> and the crowd would go nuts and they come out the timeout and i believe the celtics also lost that game by a lot but they were playing the Cavs, so okay. it makes sense right <laughs> but then at the the game ends first of all the game ends they were getting blown out people just started chanting paul pierce it's like w like we want paul or something like, paul pierce paul or whatever the, the chant was they were chanting it then the game ends and nobody moves because this yeah. shit is still going. And then yeah. they do their whole ceremony and they take their time. And so you you leave that game, even though they got blown out, everyone walked out feeling good about themselves. Miami, might I suggest, maybe do the Jersey retirements on the matinee game afterward. I, I won't, we won't have to say we got it from Boston. We'll just say, hey, we got it from the show called Oddball. There you go. You're welcome. Also, very Boston to do. Practical, not wasting anybody's time. Charlotte. You got emotional though during yes Udonis' speech as a as I a cried. newfound Heat fan. Yep. No, I'm not a fan. I'm not a Heat fan. Don't I mean, do that. We're like, not doing that. Like the Don't do the that. The evidence is mounting. The evidence not, is mounting. I'm not mounting. a Heat fan. I'm not a Heat fan. I like Jaime Hawkins and Duncan Robinson is from New England, so that's actually, if anything, more of a not Heat situation. And or who Marcus doesn't like Udonis? Who does? Who? Okay. Well, that. Shh, I, anyway, moving on. I. Yes, I did tear up during his speech. And it was one thing he said that got me where he said he was playing basketball for the first time with his brother and he shot and it was an air ball and his brother caught the air ball and dunked it and looked at Udonis and said, nice pass. And for some reason, and he was like, I have been chasing that feeling. He was like, I'd never felt that before. Um, 
And first of all, it made me it, it made his career make a lot of sense to me that he has mm-hmm. been trying to be that guy for people on the heat um, since he first felt that. And he decided that was when he decided to play basketball. And he was like, I want other people to feel like even when they airball it, I can help them feel like they're not embarrassed. And mm-hmm. I think being embarrassed is a thing that a lot of people are scared of, which is a lot of the reasons that people don't try things. And I think in professional sports, you get embarrassed a lot, whether you want to or not. And so for him to be there and acknowledge that that is a part of the game and that it's on your teammates to help you get past it, something that it just really, it, it, it got me in my, in my feelings. I mean, I, I teared up a little bit. Charlotte, I won't lie, man. What you just said right there got me in my feelings. Like, wow, like about being embarrassed is something a lot of people are scared of. And playing this game, you have to be willing to allow yourself to be embarrassed from time to time. That's a life lesson that I will take with me from Charlotte Wilder via Udonis Haslam. But the story (laughs) doesn't stop there, Charlotte, because I know where you're going. Oh, yeah. It's going to come full circle with other names Mm -hmm. that we've mentioned, right? So uh, our teammate here, at uh, DraftKings Network, Steven Jackson of All the Smoke had a post about Udonis Haslam, and he said this jersey getting retired is earned, not given, right? There's a great amount of respect from Steven Jackson towards Udonis Haslam. And by the way, those feelings came from all over the league. Jamal Mosley, uh, the head coach of the Magic, said, I wish that we had been playing them that night so that yeah. I could have been there for that. Um, and, and there are people all over the league talking about Udonis's impact, not only with the Heat, but on the league. That th- People like this matter, and sh- there should be more Udonis Haslam's. Well, that's well and good. So as I said, Stephen Jackson said, earn not given. Your boy, Paul Pierce. My boy, Paul Pierce. And this your is an boy, awkward thing. Your boy. Our boy. I, our boy. I, I like Udonis. I know Udonis. I, I like Paul. I know Paul. Paul had to chime in and said, nah, this one was given, bro. Oh, come on, man. But Udonis's like, response, however, I mean. Share it with the fans. Share it with the people. Udonis's response, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, was I, I loved it. He said, my first reaction was to choose violence, but I'm a gun spare because I know you ain't like that. You're entitled to your opinion, my boy. That's, that's a very... You, that's, a, that's like you. a Udonis, a, a old graying Udonis answer, right? That's a that's a bless your heart answer. Yeah. It's also um, funny because it didn't a few weeks ago Udonis went on I forget what show. It, his pardon show. me, his it show, his, his show. own show. The, the OGs, and he was like, I don't like Mike yeah, yeah. He was like, I don't like Paul Pierce, and I don't like Kevin Garnett. And if I saw them in a grocery store, not not which also incredible metric of how you know if you like someone or not. Would you say hi to him in a grocery store? The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you've got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code ODDBALL. That's code O-D-D-B-A-L-L for new customers to get 150 smackaroos in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings, 
The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Charlotte, I feel like we should have pennants and like hats and like foam fingers mm-hmm. because it's rivalry week in the NBA. Oh, all these rivals. Oh, oh rivals. rivals. <laughs> oh, we don't like them and they don't like <laughs> us. And that's what makes it fun. And, you know, I know what you're thinking at home. Like, oh, wow, rivalry week. Like, are we going to get like longtime rivals like Lakers, Celtics? Not this year. No, not this year. No, we're not. What rivalry week means to the NBA this year is something it reminds me of, um, like, you know how Bravo does watch what happens live with Andy, yeah. where they get people together. And it's just like it's it's something designed for maximum mess to be as messy as possible. Feels like sure. the NBA is leaning into the quote, this league of it all. Absolutely. So some of these are going to be very obvious, like, oh, yeah, OK, I guess that's right. And then some of these. I feel like the league is doing exactly that, instigating, right? So we mm-hmm. start January 23rd. That's tonight. Knicks at Nets. All right, that's mm. that's easy. Crosstown rivals. The, the late game is Clipper, Lakers at Clippers. Again, right. it's just easy. This is, this is just, hey, we share the same city, and half the building is going to be rooting for one team, and the <laughs> other half is going to be rooting for the other team. Uh, in both cases, there's a good team, and there's a bad team playing. So. <laughs> yep. I feel like okay, all right. That's that's a little filler, right? Then we start getting personal mm-hmm. because tomorrow, the twenty fourth, mm-hmm. we get Suns at Mavericks, and I know what you're thinking. Like, wait, Suns and Mavs? Like, that's a really a rivalry? Maybe not historically, but there are two individuals who genuinely have distaste for one another. It's Devin Booker of the Suns. It's Luka Doncic of the Mavericks. Obviously, these two teams have met each other in the playoffs. Also, that doesn't hurt the thing but this is really about two guys that really don't mess with each other don't fool with each other and so the league is kind of like huh huh come on huh? You, you guys don't like each other why, why did you play why did you play against each other on rivalry huh huh little bragging rights huh that's what the league is doing right there why don't these two like each other do you know i mean i, I think it, it's i think honestly it's just good natured competition i don't think it's mm-hmm. like a personal thing i think it's just two guys who play in the same conference who have been you know competing against one another and and that feeling of kind of like you're in my way, because that, as we pointed out, the Suns went to the finals one year. Uh, you know, Luca hit a, a pretty big shot. Luca won a game seven by a lot of points and was kind of like talking trash to Devin Booker in right. that blowout in the game seven. So there's a lot of kind of like it's born out of competition, but there is a bad blood there. I would say nothing Bravo though. Nothing Bravo. No, nothing Bravo. No, absolutely not. All right. Okay. Uh, the late game tomorrow is Thunder at Spurs. And so this is very clearly, this is not about the teams because the Thunder are one of the best teams in the league and the Spurs are one of the worst teams in the league. But this is about Chet versus Victor Wembanyama, And this is weird. I got in a big argument with Zach Harper of The Athletic on Sirius XM NBA Radio where he said, Victor Wembanyama is clearly the rookie of the year, and I said, "What world are you living in?" Because what world is he living in? He's saying because it's harder for Victor because he plays 
four on five every night. He's calling hmm. Jeremy Sohan. So imagine it's bad enough to play four on. This is what he said. It's bad enough to play four on five every night. It's even worse when <laughs> the the one you're missing is playing point. So like hmm. it's I, I and I, I I accept it. I'm like you. Know, you yeah. know what? There's absolutely a degree of difficulty to what Victor Wembanyama does because he doesn't get any help from his supporting cast. You know what's harder is being really good on a good team. <laughs> And that's what Chet, uh, Chet Holmgren is doing. He's he's help, he's doing he's putting up his n- numbers and having his impact while also doing it within the context of winning. That's really hard. But yep. I guess we'll get a quick look at who's better, at least for one yeah. night on, tomorrow well, night. We'll see what it looks like. Uh, I mean, oh, the game that you and I are going to. Yeah, I was like, what are you doing on the twenty fifth? Well, uh, you got me credentials to Heat Celtics oh, in Miami. That? Yeah, Last oh, okay. time I saw the Heat and the Celtics play in Miami, the Heat blew the Celtics out by a bajillion oh. points. So maybe yeah. um, that won't happen. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is funny because these two teams have met in three of the last four conference finals. It's crazy, right? Like if you think about it, this is no disrespect. That's why I keep going back to. I know Milwaukee won the the title in twenty twenty one. But when you're talking about in this in this decade, the 2020s, who the class of the East are, it's these two teams. It's the Celtics, yeah. it's the Heat. And the Bucs managed to get a title in the middle of that in a, in a COVID-shortened season. But it really comes down to these two teams that are meeting over and over again and haven't had kind of the flameouts kind of that Milwaukee's had, even though Milwaukee beat those two teams en route to their championship. So this, I think, is an actual, real, traditional rivalry. These are teams that historically don't like each other, as evidenced by what we talked about with UD and Paul Pierce. They are teams that in the recent history don't like each other, as evidenced by three out of four times playing against each other. You go back to Pat Riley with the press release, the official press release, telling Danny Ainge to go fuck himself. Like, this thing runs deep runs super deep and given that in the recent history these two teams know when we see each other one of us is going to the finals and one of us is left picking up the pieces i think Pretty we're cool. gonna get some fireworks we're gonna get some fireworks on thursday night then i think so the, too the late then, game yeah hmm. king's warriors now the king's lost to the warriors in the first round of the playoffs. They thought they had arrived. They were the higher seed. They're in the same geographic area. They're like, you know what, Golden State, your time is over. And the Warriors and Steph Curry specifically reminded them in the words of Rudy Tomjanovich, don't ever underestimate the heart of a champion. So big little brother is going bigger. Big brother is getting more old and more kind of worn down. And yeah, so the this knees is a hurt. nice measuring stick for little brother hey maybe we're better now maybe this is the time where we finally beat you and we'll see we'll see and and, and golden state has they have something to it's not just hey we just got to beat little brother to remind them who's boss it's we're fighting for our lives and the fight for a playoff spot for the, the warriors starts now they don't have time to be cute here all right friday we got Mavs at Hawks. Now, this again goes back to this is a tale of two kitties. One who was traded for the other, ostensibly mm-hmm. on draft day. 
And these two will be linked forever. Luka Doncic and Trey Young. Forever they will be connected to one another, which is kind of unfair to Trey Young because, hey, the Kings took Marvin fucking Bagley and nobody said about them. The Suns took DeAndre goddamn Ayton and nobody said about them. But for some reason, Atlanta trading out to get Trey Young and allowing Dallas to get Luka Doncic. That's the one that sits on everybody's mind, including at the league. They're instigating against Charlotte. They are. They're being messy. They're being messy as hell. Uh, they're also, they're trying to be messy when uh, you have the Blazers and the Spurs because of Scoot Henderson and Victor Wembanyama in this year's draft. Uh, that's not particularly interesting to me mm-hmm. yet. Maybe it will yeah. be someday. It's, not, it's uh, not because these two teams are awful. Yeah, it's just that, bad basketball. Bad um, basketball cannot be saved by two interesting people. No, it can't. Uh, what we could have in good basketball is the Heat at Knicks, which is not the kind of rivalry of Heat Celtics. But you know they've been jawing Again, at each other the the past couple at years. each other the playoff series last year. Yeah, and most importantly, the long history. Pat Riley still puts yes. on an ongrada in, in Madison Square Garden. Uh, there, all the feelings, all the emotions, they're still there. Remember, the Heat did not go to the in-season tournament knockout stage. In Vegas, Charlotte, because they lost the game at New York where they were up big and they mm-hmm. blew it. And and Jimmy Butler missed a shot at the end and he promised that would never happen again. And I think the next game he had that opportunity, he proved himself. But this is their, their meeting here, so we'll see. And then we round it out with a good one and so on. Sixers Nuggets. This is individuals, but this is also two great teams. Yes. This Embiid is... versus Jokic, but it's two great teams. We're going to get a great basketball game. We got a great basketball game the last time they met Charlotte. Ooh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, Embiid cares so much, as we talked about on Oddball, when he is playing Jokic. Um, then we we end on maybe a, a slightly sad one at this point, which is uh, Lakers-Warriors. Um, two big brothers just go, going up against each other, trying to ice That's... their knees. That's the pour out a little liquor bowl. I don't have any liquor near me. I'll just use this water bottle. But like, pour out a little liquor for the homies that used to run this block, but now they're just old and sad. Time comes for all of us, I mean. Yep. Shout out to Ciroc for sending a bottle, by the way. I would have. Yeah, that was very that. nice. It's in New York, though. So, but thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to keep going, keep going. I, I'm just pausing for any. No, you're good, Charlotte. Are you frozen? Charlotte feels frozen. My frozen? Who's frozen? Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. 